Hallelujah. What a wonderful, wonderful presence of the Lord today. Hallelujah. We are so, so very thankful for the presence of God in this place and all that he is doing. And um, praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus, God, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If you could turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. Hallelujah. I know you guys just got seated, and I apologize. But if we could stand for the reading of the word, I promise it won't be long. And then you guys can be seated and uh, rest, and I'll just keep standing. All right, hallelujah. So praise the Lord. Uh, we're going to Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. This is Christ month, and um, this is the sermon that I have been wanting to preach, and uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity to do this. I just, I don't know, you know, this may be more informative than inspirational or encouraging, but but I believe that this is a topic that's worth talking about and one that has certainly just been stirring in my heart. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. What's the sign? Well, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Everybody say Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Hallelujah. If we could go to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20, we're going to see the angel speaking to Joseph, and uh, we're going to see this prophecy that Isaiah gave 700 years before uh, Jesus was born. Isaiah gave that prophecy. 700 years before that. Uh, There are many people today who just absolutely cannot believe in Isaiah because Isaiah is so prophetic and so pinpoint accurate, they say it's no way that Isaiah wrote it. But we know that God is a miracle worker, right? And that the Lord spoke through the prophets by the Spirit of God. So it wasn't Isaiah who had some sort of, you know, foresight or whatever. Of course, through the Spirit of God, he was able to see those things and write them as the Spirit uh, inspired him. So Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. But while he thought on these things, Joseph thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. What a wonderful promise, hallelujah, given straight to Joseph from an angel. Verse 22, now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, the prophet Isaiah, saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name 
Emmanuel. Everybody say Emmanuel. But now the scripture is actually interpreting it. So often in scripture, it gives names, it gives uh, things, but it doesn't always define it. Only when it's very important. Only when they want to make sure you do not miss this. So the reason he's defining this is he's saying, listen, you don't want to misunderstand what the word Emmanuel means. He says that word Emmanuel being interpreted is God with us. God with us. Last week we talked about Jesus' humanity, how that he was one of us. This week we're going to talk about his divinity and how that he is God with us. Praise the Lord. Are you going to worship the Lord today and let God speak to you? How about we talk to him right now? Lord Jesus, we ask you to speak to our hearts and our minds. Help me to say exactly what you want me to say. Nothing more and nothing less. We love you and we thank you. Oh, yes, Lord Jesus, you've been so good to us. We thank you, God, for what you're about to do in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Brother Judish, it seems a little loud up here. If you could turn me down in the P monitor, that's uh, mic one. Turn me down just a little in the, the P monitor. That would be great. In this passage of scripture, we see the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. It's quite interesting the way that Isaiah explains this. He says there's going to be a sign. That sign is a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Of course, we understand the virgin to be Mary. Mary uh, was just a young woman. Some estimate she was in her teenage years, perhaps no older than 16 years of age when that angel began to speak to her. Now, I know today we look at you know, a 16-year-old getting pregnant, that that might be a little uh, concerning. In that day, it was not irregular for teenagers or the women who were younger to be get married and to get pregnant. So was, she was a very young lady, a very young woman. And of course, the Lord recognized who Mary was and decided to put this amazing miracle inside of her. Praise God. Hallelujah. Can I tell you just for a moment that God doesn't fill people that he doesn't believe in? Come on now. He doesn't fill people that he doesn't believe in. If the Lord has filled you with his spirit and touched you and blessed you, I'm going to tell you right now it's because the Lord believes in you. Praise God. He believed in Mary. He, Mary had caught the favor of God. If he put his spirit inside of you, he, you've caught the favor of God. Hallelujah. The Lord says, you're somebody I want to invest in. You're somebody that I can trust that if I put my spirit in you, you're going to do my will and you're going to do what I ask of you. Oh, thank God for the favor of the Lord here today. Amen. Praise God. So this woman Mary, being a virgin, had been found with child. She would bring forth a son. And of course we know that the angel tells him, Thou shalt call his name Jesus. 
That is the name that he would be known by, Jesus. However, the scriptures give us several other names, nicknames, if you will. They were names that were not their primary names. Now, we all understand this, right? Uh, do I have any parents here? Hallelujah. Most of us, praise God. You, you remember what it was like, you know, when that baby came and you had that little squishy thing in your arms, you know, and you'd calling it all sorts of different names. You know, what, what's going on, baby girl? That's, that's my name for little Rebecca. Her name is baby girl. You ask her, hey, what's your name? She'll tell you it's baby girl. She believes that's her real name just because that's the name I call her. Hallelujah. And I've called my names, my, my kids several names. I asked them today, what are some of the names? These are some of the names that they remember daddy calling them. Uh, my son, he started, as he got older, he started getting some, some freckles on his cheeks. So I started calling him freckles. And uh, he, he enjoyed that. I call him little dude. At times, I call him Spanky when he's being real, you know, silly. Hallelujah. I call him Spanky. So we always come up with these silly little nicknames, right? Sometimes they just describe who they are. Uh, my daughter, I don't know if I want to say this behind the pulpit, but my, my daughter has been affectionately get, been given the nickname by the Sunday school children, uh, Rebecca Rex. Praise God. <laughs> Rebecca Rex, because, well, I'll just let you put those pieces together. Um, she is a monster at times, praise God. But she is so sweet, and she has daddy wrapped around her finger, praise God. Uh, so we always give names, and they meant to describe people. We don't always call them that, but sometimes we do out of jest or, uh, again, maybe just out of affection, wanting to show our affection toward our children, people who are around us, uh, you know, people who all the time make up nicknames. Sometimes it can be annoying when you're an adult, right? <laughs> but people make up nicknames. But the Bible tells us that Jesus was known by several different names. Not only would he be known by this name, Jesus, but it's quite obvious from the dialect here, the, the explanation that the angel gives, or, or rather that Matthew gives in verse 22 and 23. He stops the narrative. He stops talking for the angel, which was talking to Joseph, saying, He shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And he begins to explain the significance of this moment and who Jesus would be. So Matthew stops the narrative and says, Now all of this was done so that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He stops and says all of this was done in order that this prophecy would come to pass. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. How could they call him Emmanuel? Emmanuel obviously became, if you will, a nickname that was given, but it was such a significant nickname in that day where they would look down at this baby boy. Oh, praise God. Imagine with me for a moment as they look down at this baby boy. Hallelujah, baby, they just got done changing the diaper or the wet 
you know, uh, cloth or whatever they used at that day. Hallelujah. And they just got done cleaning up the baby, just got done throwing up some milk or whatever you want to say. And all of this, they're messy and he's, he's dirty and all of this. Yet they looked down at this baby boy and didn't give him a name that was insignificant or something that was silly, but said, look at this baby boy. His name is Emmanuel. Hallelujah. Emmanuel. They look down at this baby boy and says there's something significant about this baby. Hallelujah. Even though this baby may look like other babies and may act like other babies, may have similar issues with his body and, and bowel movements and all that as other babies do, they said this baby is something more. This baby is Emmanuel, which is God with us. This wasn't just a baby. This wasn't just a small child. Yes, Mary had to bring this baby in with just as much pain and anguish as every other woman in the history of the world. She had to bring this baby in under the stress and turmoil of having to bear forth children. Hallelujah, it wasn't a pretty sight. It wasn't something that was beautiful in their eyes. Hallelujah, it has just as much of a dirty scene as any other birthing room would have. Oh, but they looked down at that baby and said, this is even. Emmanuel, this is God with us. Praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. This is God with us. Jesus was more than just a squishy baby. Hallelujah. Jesus was simultaneously a baby and God. Think of it for just a moment. Mary, of course we know she didn't create this baby on her own, but in an essence she brought this baby into the world. She brought the baby into the world who was the God who actually created her and brought her into the world. It's kind of tricky, right? Kind of like the who came first, the chicken or the egg? Hallelujah. But she brought forth a baby that was God. The creator, the one who actually put her into the world. Can you imagine Mary's thought process here? As she looked at this baby boy and she said, this isn't just a normal baby boy. This isn't just your usual typical baby boy. This is Emmanuel. Oh, praise God. And despite what other religions may say or despite what other groups of religions may say, hallelujah, Jesus was more than just a man and he was more than just a prophet. He was more than just another person who had something to say. Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. Praise God. Jesus was God who was walking among us. Jesus was God performing miracles. Jesus was God dying on the cross. It wasn't just a random baby. This was Emmanuel. Somebody shout Emmanuel. 
This was Emmanuel. Praise God. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 1, verse 35. Of course, she knew this was Emmanuel. The angel told her, the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The Son of God. Now, you may be asking or wondering, or maybe not, praise God. But what is the difference between Jesus, the Son of God, the Father, and the Holy Ghost? Now, it's likely you've heard me teach on this before. You know the difference between them. But please allow me to explain here today. I believe Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, which divides the identities of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is not meant to represent persons, but identities and roles which He fulfilled. We see in John chapter 3, verse 16, we love this verse of Scripture, right? We quote it all the times. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Praise God. God so loved the world that He sent His Son to do His dirty work. That's not what it's saying. There's a reason and words are significant, right? But when it says God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, anybody want to tell me what begotten means? Come on, I know I taught you guys this. It's been a while. You got to join our Discover Purpose class again. Praise God. That word begotten, it means born. So when he says God so loved the world that he gave his only born son, he's not creating a separate person than himself. He's creating a, a, a human being that was born as the Holy Ghost and the power of the highest overshadowed Mary. So Jesus was simultaneously the physical Son of God, but also He was God with us. Oh, praise God. Isn't that incredible? Hallelujah. So when he says he gave his only begotten son, it's not saying that God separated himself into three different persons and sent one of the persons. It's saying that God, he overshadowed Mary, put a baby inside of her, and then that baby came out, and it was more than just a man. It was the begotten son, but it was also God. It was God who was with us. Oh, well, pastor, how do you know that? Well, the Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8. Again, I want to be careful here because I know what a lot of Christian churches will tell you today. This might be opposite of that. But I want to emphasize verse 8 because it tells us something important. He says, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy, vain deceit, or after the tradition of men. Maybe you've heard something different preached. 
It's a tradition to preach that the God, the Father, Son, Holy Ghost were three separate persons. I'm here to challenge that and say it was all God who was working in three different roles. Praise God. Hallelujah. And he says, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Look at verse 9. For in him, Christ, the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You say, well, no, that's not true because you got the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. The Father was in heaven while the Son was in Jesus. No, he says, all that God was, was inside of Jesus Christ. You can't even make a separation. The only separation you can make is by the flesh, which is called the begotten son. Oh, praise the Lord. I feel the Holy Ghost. I know this is, again, a little different, not as encouraging as we're used to, but the Bible says that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beguiled His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God was manifested in the flesh. We love to quote John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. But what about 1 Timothy 316. He says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. So when you pray to Jesus, you don't have to spend 15 minutes praying to the Son, 15 minutes praying to the Father, 15 minutes praying to the Holy Ghost. All you got to do is pray to Jesus, and you're praying to all of who God was. Oh, I'm trying to draw a picture here. The baby in her arms, when she looked in the eyes, she looked in the eyes of the begotten son. But if she looked closer, she'd see the fullness of God inside that baby boy. Oh, hallelujah. And the Old Testament. Deuteronomy, it confirms this. There is only one God. And thou shalt love that Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy mind, and thy soul. Why, is G- why, why did Jesus confirm that that's the most important commandment? And why do the Jews believe that's the most important commandment even today? It's because they said, I don't want you to split your praise. I want all your praise to go to Jesus. I want all your worship to go to Jesus. I want everything you got to go to Jesus. Don't separate it. Hallelujah. It's all God. The fullness of the Godhead was inside of Jesus. Just go ahead and praise Jesus. Just go ahead and worship. Oh, come on. Somebody right now do that. Would you stand to your feet and begin to praise him? Worship Jesus right now. Praise God. Sometimes we feel like we separate it. Like Jesus was something less than God. Just a portion or a percentage. But that's not what the Bible says. God came to die on the cross for you. 
That's why the Bible says by the word in John chapter 1. The word in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And by the word were all things created that was created. It wasn't just a separate person. The creator of all of this became a creation. Hallelujah. The creator became a creation. And the Bible says he humbled himself, thought it not robbery to humble himself as a form of a man. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. And some of us can't even bother to humble ourselves to help a poor person on the side of the road. Some of us can't bother to humble ourselves and allow a child to feel embraced and loved. And yet God, the Father, the Creator, God, the one who created all this, He humbled Himself as a fragile baby boy. He humbled Himself as a fragile baby boy and dwelt among us. And what we're talking today about is Jesus' dual natures. Because Jesus was 100% man, but he was also 100% God. And we see the duality of his natures in almost everything that he did. As a man, he had to grow up, right? As a little baby, he had to grow up to be a man. But as God, he never changed, not once. As a man, he was tempted by the devil. But as God, he cast out those devils. Hallelujah. As a man, Jesus grew hungry for bread. But as God, he was the bread of life. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. As a man, he thirsted for water in John 19. Oh, but as God, he said, if you would have asked of me, I would have given you living water, a water that you would not thirst again. Hallelujah, because he was a man, but he was also God in one man. As a man, he grew weary in John 4. As God, he gave rest. In Matthew 11. As a man, he slept in the storm in Mark 4. But as God, he spoke to the storm and told it to cease. Oh, praise God. As a man, Jesus repeatedly prayed. But as God, he answered prayers. As a man, he was scourged and beaten, but as God, he heals the sick. He heals our pain and our wounds. As a man, he did not know all things according to Mark 13, but as God, he knew all things according to John 21. As a man, he had no power according to John 5, but as God, he had all power in heaven and in earth according to Colossians 2. 
Praise God. As a man, he was inferior to God, according to John 14. But as God, he said he was equal to the Father, and he was God in John chapter 5. As a man, he was a servant, according to Philippians 2. But as God, he was the king of kings and the lords of lords, according to Revelation 19. As a man, he died on the cross. And that's truly the reason he became a man. He had to become a man because as a spirit, as God, as a spirit, he could not die for us. So God, who is a spirit, robed himself in flesh and died on the cross. Oh, but as a man, he died on the cross. But as God, he raised his body from the dead three days later. Oh, can I tell you, as a man, he was sacrificed for sin. But as God, he forgave us our sins. If we will call out to him and pray to God, he will forgive us one of the greatest proofs of this that I feel and I've had several come to me and say say pastor if if Jesus was God and and if he's the same the father son holy ghost if this is all the same then why did Jesus pray I direct him to the garden of Gethsemane where Jesus said to the disciples, can't you wait with me one hour? And he says, we must pray for the Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. As a man, he struggled to get to that cross. As a man, his self-preservation kicked in and he was trying to fight the destiny that he had laid out for himself. As a man, he had to lay his head down on a rock and weep so hard that blood poured out of his pores. But as God, he submitted his flesh and he endured the cross willingly he Jesus was God with us he was God with us that child lying in the manger he had several nicknames Emmanuel, God with us. But let's look at some of the other nicknames Isaiah gives us in Isaiah 9 and 6. It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Simultaneously, Jesus was the begotten Son and the Everlasting Father. Oh, Jesus. 
his name, whose name? The child, the son that is given. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Praise God. That's who we are celebrating in the next two weeks. That's who this is all about. It's not about Santa Claus, and it's not about Frosty the Snowman, or it's not about Scrooge or the Grinch and all these other characters. I got no issues, hallelujah, with these characters or in having entertainment, but we've got to make sure we remember the reason that we celebrate Christmas is because Christ was one of us, but he was also God with us. Jesus was the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and he willingly came to this earth and died on the cross. He was God with us. And this morning, again, this might be different than a sermon you've heard, or perhaps this is a different understanding than you grew up knowing. I believe I laid it out today the best I could. And if you want more teaching on the Godhead, I certainly can, can give you more lessons on that. But oh, to know that this baby Jesus wasn't just a portion of the Godhead, but all of the Godhead dwelt inside of him. How significant and important, how beloved is that baby boy. That Mary held in her hands. And I don't know why, but in prayer, I felt like I needed to end on this point. A famous song written by uh, Mark Lowry. It was over 20 years ago now. He wrote the song, Mary, Did You Know? As I was studying for this, I kept feeling as I read the story, the Christmas story over and over again, I kept feeling like God was putting that in my mind. Mary, did you know? We know that she knew, but did she really know? We know the angel told her who Jesus would be. But even though today you may have heard who Jesus is, do you really know who Jesus is. Even after she had given birth to this baby boy, she knew she, had, she was a virgin and it didn't make any sense for her to be pregnant. But giving birth to this baby boy, I can imagine the confusion. This little squishy baby is going to save us from our sins. This little squishy baby, hallelujah. Praise, I'm sorry, I got to laugh because that's funny. Squishy baby, hallelujah. But this little baby, this is the one that's going to be God with us. But look, it's so fragile. It looks so insignificant. Of course, as a woman, as a mother, she cherished and loved this baby as her son. But the mixed feelings you would have. Do I love him because of his need for me? 
or do I love him because of my need for him? And when the shepherds came, sent by the angels, we'll talk all about that next week. Luke chapter 2 and verse 18, it says, And all they that heard the story of the shepherds wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I know I was a virgin, an angel appeared to me, told me all this, but look, it's just a small, insignificant, precious baby. How confusing that was, but then shepherds come and confirm this is God with us. At that point, she began to ponder, could this really be? Could I really have just born the God of all creation? That testimony, it helped her to realize it. And here's what I feel this morning like God is wanting to do. God is wanting to allow you who have seen the hand of God in your life, who have heard me preach even today, but you still know there's things that you need God to take care of back home. Here's what I feel like God is saying. Even though you've pondered in your heart, I'm going to reveal myself to you. And even though she looked at this baby and it didn't seem like much, that baby grew to become a miracle worker. And by the time he was 12 years old and trying to do his father's business, Mary still didn't quite understand truly. Oh, but when he was around 30 years of age and there was a marriage feast going on and they ran out of wine, the Bible says that Jesus had not done a single miracle at that point. Hallelujah. But Mary at that point was confirmed. It was confirmed in the heart. I know who this is. And the party ran out of wine. But Mary says, don't worry. It's not a question anymore. I know that Jesus is more than just my son, but I am also his daughter. Praise God. I know that Jesus is more than just a man, but he's also God. And he called on, she called on Jesus. And she says, Jesus, we need wine. I need you to perform a miracle, not as my son, but as God who is with us. Oh, could you stand to your feet right now? Today, oh, we can rejoice in the role of the begotten son who died on the cross. But we can also recognize we need a God who is a miracle worker and a way maker. We need a God who can forgive us of our sins. We need a God who can provide financially for our family. We need a God who can heal our wounds. We need a God who is the bread of life. <laughs> We need a God who can turn water 
into wine. At 12 years old, this is in my notes, I just feel God speaking to me. At 12 years old, the Bible says Jesus submitted himself and followed his mother. As a man, he submitted himself and followed his mother. But the Bible also says when he came of age and he started his ministry, that Mary submitted herself and followed him. Question today here today is, are you following God? Are you believing in Jesus who is more than just a man? But he's the God who can answer your prayers. He's a God who can make a way when there seems to be no way. Hallelujah. Right now, I'm going to close this. And I feel again today, can we come down with the understanding that Jesus is a miracle worker, not just because he was the son of God, but because all the fullness of the Godhead was inside of him. If you have something you need to pray for, I want to invite you to come down to this altar and find a place to pray for it. If you need a miracle in your life, would you find a place to call on the miracle worker? If you need to just submit yourself, you say the world has just beaten me up, knocked me down, would you come and take rest in the, the Father today? Take rest in Jesus. Oh, that's right. You know, as a church, we just invite everybody to come down. Oh, but would you come and call upon him? Oh, Oh, Lord, we need you today. Lord, we need you today. Lord, we need you today. Standing here. Know today that when you call on Jesus, you're not calling on a man, just a man, but you're calling on all of who God is. 